So let me, uh, let me ask you, what is the song of your life? Think about that for a moment. What is the song of your life? You know, if I go back when Trisha and I got married, the, the song of our wedding was a theme from Ice Castles and Endless Love, going way, way back in the day. Those were the wedding songs of the day. But what is the song of your life? And I want to read just a, a couple actual, actual country songs lyrics. I am so miserable without you. It's almost like having you around. If the phone doesn't ring, you will know it is me. This is, like, this is probably my favorite one. You are the hangnail in my life, and I can't bite you off. You are the reason our kids are ugly. Yeah. Then the last one, the last one. My wife ran off with my best friend, and I sure do miss him. <laughs> so the key is, what is the song of your life? Why are you staying in lack when God's best for you is abundance? And I want to I conclude this series as we talk about today, how to overcome lack in your life, because... I want to give you just some simple pointers, and, and we talked about it last week, and I don't want to spend a lot of time recapping last week's message, but God's best for you is not to live in lack. And one of God's names is El Shaddai, that he's a God that's more than enough, that, that God is more than enough in your life. And so last week we looked at John chapter 10, verse 10, that said, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And then we looked at Psalm 108 that said, Moab is as a wash pot and we thought you know we don't wash feet anymore in our way so it's not the nastiest thing but really the nastiest thing in our house is probably our our toilet bowl and and God says Moab which represents the world is the wash pot there and so when you begin to open up you turn to Ruth the book of Ruth we look at Ruth chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 and and it looked at a family that was going through a lack situation was going through famine and so then they went and left the place of God, the house of God, and they went to the things of this world. And when you begin to go into the things of this world, things begin to die in your life. And so I want to share with you in the next 15, 20 minutes, six things of how to overcome lack in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. And Lord, for the next 15, 20 minutes, Lord, I just ask that, that you give each person a principle. Father, we may be lacking in our spiritual walk. We may be lacking in our family or our marriage. We may be lacking in our physical fitness. We may be lacking in our finances or our field of occupation. But Father, you promise abundance in all of those areas. Not that we won't go through lack, but we can go through lack and step into abundance. And so Father, let me be able to convey that as we conclude this series. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing to overcoming lack in your life is realize that leaving leads to loss. Leaving leads to loss in your life. Whenever you leave God thinking that the world's ways are better, you're going to encounter more loss in your life. The insight from what we learned in the book of Ruth from Naomi, as she arrived back home into God's house, as she arrived back home into Israel, Ruth 121, Naomi said, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. 
See, initially, Naomi's husband believed that there was lack in God's house because they were in a famine. They looked at the natural. They didn't look at the spiritual realm. So her husband, Elimelech, led the family out of God's promised land, the place, uh, house of bread, and led them into Moab, which would represent the, the wash pot or the toilet bowl of the world. And know this, that your worst day in God's house is better than your best day that the world has to offer. And so it's interesting because at home it's a place of rest. Home, like a church, is known as a sanctuary, which means safe place. Have you ever had a rough day and say, man, I can't wait to get home? Why? Because it's your safe place. Think about it. Your home is a man's castle. Your home is a woman's nest. Your home is a child's ATM for cash. Yeah, get out of there. There's just something about home like no other place. How many of y'all have gone on vacation? You're like, man, gone on vacation. I can't wait to get home to rest. So we found in the Bible story in the book of Ruth, they had no place to rest. When you leave God in his word, you find no rest for your soul. You lose your praise. For God is no longer the king and on the throne of your life. Life is not pleasant. You're not finding any satisfaction in your life that's lasting. And before you know it, you're singing those country songs like we opened with. Come on. Amen. So that's why I ask you, what is the song of your life? You know, as a pastor, it breaks my heart to see people go through difficult times and seasons of famine or lax in their life. And it's always amazing because usually when they hit that lack or that season of famine, instead of running to God, they drop out of church. Instead of running to God, they stop reading their Bible. Instead of running to God, the Father who gives every perfect gift, they don't seek direction from the Holy Spirit any longer. And it's always amazing because a few months later, I see them in the store and, and we begin to talk and, and I'm like, hey, you know, Pastor Vic, it's good to see you. And, 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 and this, this is one of the things. Hey, Pastor Vic, it's good to see you. Dropping out of church was the best thing I ever did. Man, my life is incredible. My marriage is at the highest level. My kids are doing better for me. Man, I should have dropped out of church a long time ago. And let me be real. I've been doing this 29 years. That has never happened. Never have I heard that. You know what I invariably hear? You know, Vic, I'm not doing so good. Let me introduce you to the new person in my life. My family, well, they just went worse than when we were before, and my health has deteriorated. And they always invariably always end up with this. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And yet, on the other hand, when I am around people who are pressing into God and and hearing the, the voice of God, I'm hearing all kinds of God did stories of how God showed up and God did and, 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 and his faithfulness of God and all those things like, like Mary was talking about going through those things. And this morning maybe or today you're in a place of lack. Maybe today you're in a place of, of loss in your life and the story of Ruth doesn't end with lack but it ends with good news. Everybody say good news. And I want you to look at this aha wow moment in Naomi's life when she encounters of what's going on. Because what is the song of your life? 
See, Naomi didn't keep singing the same song, but she allowed God to give her a new heart, a new, new song in her life. Then Naomi heard in Moab, heard in Moab, heard in the toilet bowl that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah, the place of praise, by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. She heard it in Moab. She heard it at the bottom. She heard it, the good news, in difficult situations. Next week, we have a team going into Albania, and, and it's an 85% Muslim country, and I, I was just getting some messages this morning from the pastors, and, and they said, are you willing to go into the homes of the Muslim to share the love of Christ? And I said, yeah, we'll definitely do that. To go into their homes to share good news. See, when you're living in the toilet bowl, your first step is to return to Jesus, the bread of life. is what communion's all about. Your first step is to take the road back home. And then your second thing is you need to acknowledge that you need to return. You need to return. Naomi had a moment when she realized she needed to get back to God's house. And it's interesting because when she made that decision, it says her two daughter-in-laws went with her. Why did she want to go back? Because God provided bread for his people. And if you're like Naomi, if you realize that what you're looking for, everything you're looking for in life is in God's house all along. If you're like Naomi and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put the world behind me and I'm going to recommit my life to God, then just hang in there because he will take care of you. God will show up in your life. He will bring you bread to meet your need in your life. He'll help you with those bills. He'll help you with your kids. He'll help you with the health problems. Don't give up on God because he's going to show up in a big way. Everybody say abundance. And when he shows up in your life, what I love about it is lost people notice. They will begin to see what he's doing in your spiritual walk. They will begin to see what he's doing in your family, in your fitness, in your finances, in your field of occupation. And, and, and they'll, they'll see that, man, you've been in the toilet bowl of life, and then they'll ask you, what, what is different? Why are you experiencing this? And, and why is life so good for you even though you're in the same situation that I'm at in my life, and then you just say, hey, come on, let me show you. Let me show you Jesus. Let me introduce Jesus who satisfied and met all my needs in my life. See, here's the inside scoop. When Naomi left, she experienced loss. Her two sons died. Her husband died. When Naomi left, she suffered lack. But it was her lack that led her back to the house of God. It was her lack that, that led her back to the house of God. How many of you all have ever had an unanswered prayer from God? Did it make you mad that God didn't answer your prayer? Did it cause you to throw a little tinter tantrum towards God and towards others because he didn't answer your prayer? But God is not Burger King. He doesn't let you have it his way, but he's the king of kings. And if you've ever had a child run away from home and they go to a dangerous place and their life is in jeopardy, what do you do? You lose sleep, you notify the police, you post missing persons posters, you do something, amen? 
you would experience some anxiety if your child was missing, struggling out there. You would struggle to, to keep that joy knowing who knows where your child was. Your thoughts would be consumed about your child out in the world not knowing is. Your prayer life, it always amazes me, our prayer life amps up. And then three months later, you get a phone call. Hey, mom or dad, things aren't going so good. Can you send me some money? And the big question comes is, do you send them money? And my answer is no. Because if they had more money, they'd probably stay away longer. What you should say is, where are you? I will come pick you up and bring you home. See, I'm convinced that there are prayers that God doesn't answer in our life. Because he's not going to empower us to stay away from him longer than we need to. And by not answering, he's saying, come home. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. When you encounter lack repeatedly over and over in your life, then you're probably following the world's ways and you're probably drowning in this lifestyle of debt, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, whatever it is. And that's the way, the world's ways of navigating your life to desperate attempts for you to find identity and you to find fulfillment and you to find satisfaction. You know what? You know what most problem in, in our country today is people are confused. They're confused about values. They're confused about morality. They're confused about those things in their life. And we pray God desperately, sin dot, 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 because we're about to go under. And God says, I'm not going to keep bailing you out and bailing you out so you can keep living in the toilet bowl of life. Sometimes the greatest answer to your prayer is no. No, but then he always follows it up. No, but just come back to me. So how do I get to that place of peace? Number three, you make a commitment to return. Everybody say return. In verse six, Naomi said, I have heard and I'm going back. Too many people are hesitant to come back to the church and to come back to the word of God. Because they're afraid that they'll be judged and rejected. Maybe because of previous experience. Maybe because they're afraid they will get the cold shoulder from the church. But that's not how God works. Look at Ruth 1 verse 19. So the two of them continued on their journey. Oh, two of them. There's three. Now there's two. But we'll cut, get that in a minute. So the two of them, three started on the journey. But two of them continued. When they came to Bethlehem, I love this. The entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. The entire town was excited about their revival or their re return. When someone comes back to church, we need to get excited about them. We don't need to look down on them. We don't need to, to say, man, you smell like a toilet bowl. No, we need to warmly welcome them in life. We need to show them the same love that the father showed the prodigal son when he came back. When the Bible says when one person returns, all of heaven rejoices in Luke 15. Amen? Man, we got to get excited. And guess what? You don't get excited sitting in your seat looking at your phone. You get excited by getting up out of your seat and say, man, I am glad to see you. Come on, say amen. 
People always ask me, Vic, what's the number? What can we help you do? Get up and greet and welcome people and notice people. Because everybody wants to be noticed. The one that thinks they don't want to be noticed, and they tell you they don't want to be noticed, if they didn't want to be noticed, they wouldn't have came to church. Come on. If you don't want to be noticed, you stay home. People want to be noticed. And then we pick up this story. Everybody say choice. Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, she started on the journey and she turned around and went back. And yet Ruth chose to go with Naomi. Verse 14. And again they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, she said, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. The book is called Ruth and not Orpah. It's interesting because from this point on, we never hear of Orpah again in the Bible. But, but do you know that, that Ruth became a great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus? The question is, how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? The fourth thing is when you return, there's some things you have to release. See, there's things you've been carrying in the world that you can't carry anymore when you come back to God. You know what Orpah means? It means youth or immature. During that time in the world, you may have picked up some immature behaviors and negative attitudes and toxic relationships. As you return to God's house and God's people, you can't bring those with you. Because they'll hold you back and can be, can be a hindrance and keep pulling you back to Moab in your life. So the question is, you know, what do you need to leave behind? See, Ruth had total buy-in. Man, I'm going to make your people my people. I'm going to make your God my God. Ruth chose to leave Moab 100% instead of hang on to it. And God rewrote her story. And if God rewrote Ruth's story, God can rewrite your story. Amen. And God can rewrite all our stories of what life is going to be all about. Think about it. Here's Ruth, a hated Gentile Moabite. And yet she becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. And God does incredible things through her. And it could be the same for, for you. But first you've got to release some things. The fifth thing is you've got to retain some things. Have you ever found out? That in life, wisdom is a whole lot better than experience. Did you know the Bible never says get experience? But it always says in multiple places, get wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. What is wisdom? It's learning from other people's experiences. So you don't make the same mistakes. That's what it's all about. You can retain wisdom for life's lessons. You can retain stories about God's faithfulness. You can retain those human moments where you made mistakes and then be able to get to pass that on to those people going into that next situation. See, it's not how much Bible you know that matters. It's how much Bible that you live that counts. That's what communion reminds me of is I need to live the Bible. And then the sixth thing 
when you return, you need to pick some things up. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in, in Bethlehem, house of bread, named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let's go out into the harvest fields to pick up, underline that, to pick up. Everybody say pick up. Pick up the stalks of grain left behind anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Then it goes on, and Ruth finds her that she's working in the field of Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Limelech. See, Boaz is a picture of Jesus in Hebrew culture. Someone like Elimelech who went away, abandoned their land, they lost all their possessions. But there was a person in the family who could restore the inheritance, could restore what was lost. That's why God can restore your family. God can restore your health. God can restore your finances. God can restore the fire of revival that you've had. God can restore the joy of your salvation, of knowing Christ. It's a picture of Jesus. Boaz. Because we've all gone to Moab. We've all been lost in sin and wallowed in this world. But Jesus, by shedding his blood, what we remember in communion, Man, he just doesn't welcome us back. He restores. Everybody say restores. And the last thing I want to close down with this. Verses 8 through 11. Boaz went over to his and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. And then underline that. You gather grain. You, when you gather grain. When you gather grain. I've told everybody to leave you alone, not to treat you roughly. So I believe there's a divine hedge of protection drank water. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know everything about you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live among complete strangers. And this is what I'm speaking over you. May the Lord of God of Israel, who under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you for what you've fully done. Boaz came from Bethlehem. We learned her last week, which means the house of bread. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He said in John chapter 6, I'm the bread of life. When Ruth encountered Jesus per se, or the word of the Lord, is when she got out into the field and she started picking up some things, gleaning some things to get back on track. In your situation, there are some tools from God's word that you need to pick back up or maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never memorized scripture. Maybe you need to start memorizing scripture. Maybe you need to get the one-year Bible and, and read it. See my, see my daughter, she'll get you a one-year Bible immediately. All the wisdom that you need for life to be successful and significant is in the word of God. But what I love about it she wasn't in the field alone. She was with other people. What is she doing? She's gleaning from other people. It's why we do small groups. It's why we do the weekend experience. It's why we want you to have relationship. But in John chapter 4, verse 35, it says, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Harvest represents people. Listen, I believe the greatest way out of your Moab to start picking up people and bringing them with you. That's why I love the transportation dream team. 
I love Rhonda, and I love Dale, and I, and I love Jerry, who goes out every Sunday and picks people up and brings them to church. Because what happens is they begin to hear the good news. We're able to encourage them and love them. That's what the dream team's all about. It's more than just sitting on the sidelines and watching, but the dream team is serving that people can experience the presence and power of Jesus Christ. Do you need a word from God? Do you need a miracle? Man, get into his field and serve and work. You're thinking, I can't do that, Vic. I got problems. I got issues. I'm having a bad day. You think every day that I got is a good day? It's not. But you know what Ruth did? She got out there. She got in the field. See, I believe, and I'm going to talk about how to be emotionally, healthily balanced in November, right before the holidays. I believe the greatest antidote to selfishness is serving. I believe the greatest antidote to the freedom that you want from lack in your life is serving. And serving consistently and serving persistently and serving with endurance. Because when you get off your eyes, off yourself, and onto others, your circumstances may not change, but your perspective sure does. Because let me tell you, come along and live with my life, and man, I'll show you a lot of people that are a whole lot worse off than you are. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Think about Ruth. She stepped out of obscurity into the story of Christ. An outsider, a hated Moabite, Gentile woman, grew up in the toilet bowl of life. But she decided to come to God's house and get with God's people and got into God's word. Because of her choice, Jesus Christ comes into her life and changes the world. It's the power of choices. Orpah had the same choice. She chose to go back. Ruth chose to go forward. And right now you have the choice to be a part of God's family again or maybe for the first time. Or you have another choice to reject God's family one more time. But tomorrow is promised to no one. So the choice right now is accept Jesus or reject Jesus. The choice right now is as a believer, am I going to straddle the fence between Moab and, and God's kingdom? Because you can't straddle it, you're going to eventually end up on one side or the other. And whatever you need to do in that moment where you're at, you can pray whatever prayer. I encourage you to pray that prayer. And if you say, Jesus, I'm ready to ask you into my heart and my life. Jesus, I'm ready to come back home. And it comes from your heart. The man, Jesus, is going to throw you a great big party. Because you're that precious. So, Father, I just thank you. And, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around the seed that's been planted in each person's life. I thank you for each person here and Holy Spirit that let them know that they can overcome lack in their life. They, that you have promised them a life, a life more abundantly. Father, as they come back to you, come back to your word, your people, then make sure they experience that abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.